1: Hello everyone, welcome to this special episode of the Benefits Executive Roundtable featuring the Employer Guide to Dealing with the Coronavirus or COVID-19. Note that this presentation will also be available to our clients in a video format. Keep in mind, guidelines on this are changing frequently, so we do expect some updates in the coming weeks. The goal here is to keep employers, employees, and their families safe, of course. Workplace safety and health regulations here in California require employers to protect workers exposed to airborne infectious diseases such as the coronavirus. Cal OSHA has posted guidance to help employers comply with these safety requirements and provide workers information on how to protect themselves. If you're in a state other than California, check with your own state offices to find out what the state regulations are as well as the federal OSHA regulations are. To protect workers and prevent exposure to the virus, employers must develop and maintain required programs and plans for their facilities and operations. There are many sources for interim guidance and model programs and plans. You should review these models and adapt them to your existing procedures to ensure that workers are protected. What we've done here is gather public data to assist you. We hope that this will be helpful to you. Keep in mind that you must customize any samples that you receive from us or any other sources to make sure that they're adapted to your workplace environment. I wanna first talk about some human resources and employment law data and FAQs that we've gathered because we think these will be very helpful to HR departments as well as CEOs, CFOs, and vice presidents of administration and so forth. I wanna talk first about the California Department of Industrial Relations FAQs on laws enforced by the California Labor Commissioner's Office that was in March of 2020. So I'm just gonna go through some of the questions and answers because I think they're very, very important for California employers. Can an employee use California paid sick leave due to COVID-19 illness? The answer is yes. If the employee has paid sick leave available, the employer must provide such leave and compensate the employee under the California paid sick leave laws. Paid sick leave can be used for absences due to illness, the diagnosis, care, or treatment of an existing health condition or preventive care for the employee or the employee's family member. Preventive care may include self-quarantine as a result of potential exposure to COVID-19 if quarantine is recommended by civil authorities. In addition, there may be other situations where an employee may exercise their right to take paid sick leave, or an employer may allow paid sick leave for preventive care. For example, where there has been exposure to COVID-19 or where the worker has traveled to a high-risk area. Next question, if an employee exhausts their sick leave, can other paid leave be used? Yes, it can. If an employee does not qualify to use paid sick leave or has exhausted their sick leave, other leave may be available. If there is a vacation or paid time off policy, an employee may choose to take such leave and be compensated provided that the terms of the vacation time or paid time off policy allows for leave in this circumstance. Another question, can an employer require a worker who is quarantined to exhaust their paid sick leave? According to the California Department of Industrial Relations FAQs, the employer cannot require that the employer use paid sick leave. That is the worker's choice. If the worker decides to use paid sick time, The employer can require they take a minimum of two hours of paid sick leave. The determination of how much paid sick leave will be used up is up to the employee. What options do I have if my child's school or daycare closes for reasons related to COVID-19? And we're seeing that a lot here in California. Again, according to the FAQs from the California Department of Industrial Relations, employees should discuss their options with their employers. There may be paid sick leave or other paid leave that's available to the employees. Employees at work sites with 25 or more employees may also be provided up to four hours of leave per year for specified school-related emergencies, such as the closure of the child's school or daycare by civil authorities. Whether that leave is paid or unpaid depends on the employer's paid leave, vacation, or other paid time off policies, so you need to refer to those. Employers may require employees to use their vacation or paid time off benefits before they are allowed to take unpaid leave, but cannot mandate those employees use paid sick leave. However, a parent may choose to use any available paid sick leave to be with their child as preventive care. The next question from the FAQs, can an employer require a worker to provide information about recent travel to countries considered to be high risk for exposure of the coronavirus? The answer is, again, according to the California Department of Industrial Relations FAQs, yes, employers can request that employees inform them, if they are planning or have traveled, the country is considered by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to be high-risk areas for exposure to the coronavirus. However, employees have the right to medical privacy, so the employer cannot inquire into the areas of medical privacy. Another question, is an employee entitled to compensation for reporting to work and being sent home? Generally, if an employee reports for their regularly scheduled shift but is required to work fewer hours or is sent home, The employee must be compensated for at least two hours, or no more than four hours, of reporting time pay. For example, a worker who reports to work for an eight-hour shift and only works for one hour must receive four hours of pay, one for the hours worked, and three as reporting time pay so that the worker receives at least half of the expected eight-hour shift. Information on this, by the way, is available online Another question, if an employee is exempt, are they entitled to a full-week salary for work interruptions due to the shutdown of operations? According to the FAQs, an employee is exempt if they are paid at least the minimum required salary and meet the other qualifications for exemption. Federal regulations require that employers pay an exempt employee performing any work during a week their full-week salary if they do not work the full week because the employer failed to make work available. An exempt employee who performs no work at all during a week may have their weekly salary reduced, however. Deductions from salary for absences of less than a full day for personal reasons or sickness are not permitted. If an exempt employee works any portion of a day, there can be no deduction from salary for a partial day absence for personal or medical reasons. Federal regulations allow partial day deductions from an employee's sick leave bank so that the employee is paid for their sick time by using their accrued sick leave. If an exempt employee has not yet accrued any sick leave or has exhausted all of their sick leave balance, There can be no salary deduction for a partial day absence. Deductions from salary may also be made if the exempt employee is absent from work for a full day or more for personal reasons other than sickness and accident, so long as work was available for the employee had they chosen to work. Another question from the FAQs. If a state emergency is declared, does reporting time apply? The answer according to the FAQs is reporting time pay does not apply when operations cannot commence or continue when recommended by civil authorities. This means that reporting time pay does apply under a state of emergency, unless the state of emergency includes a recommendation to seize operations. The next question from the FAQs. If I am a party in action filed with the labor commissioner's office, can I seek an accommodation to participate remotely due to the coronavirus? The answer is yes. Request to participate remotely should be emailed to the district office in which the claim has been filed. These requests will be evaluated on a case-by-case basis. They do have a full listing of the Labor Commissioner's office locations, including email addresses posted online. Okay, now we're going to move into some general questions and concerns for employers. The biggest question that employees tend to have is, does our health plan pay for coronavirus COVID-19 coverage? If you are fully insured, yes. Fully insured health plans must offer screening and testing for coronavirus with no co-pays or co-insurance. The state of California has announced that more than 22 million Californians are now eligible for free, medically necessary COVID-19 testing. However, the press release from the Department of Managed Care and the Department of Insurance went further to specify that these do not apply to individuals in the self-insured health coverage products. So if you're in a self-insured plan, that does not mean that your plan is going to be paying for everything at 100 percent. So you need to check with your employer and your third party administrator, whoever's processing your claims and determine what the coverage is for COVID-19. Let's talk first about fully insured plans. Fully insured plans have been mandated by the state and other federal agencies to offer the coverage for screening, specimen gathering and testing at no cost to the insured person. No deductibles, no co-pays, no co Most carriers are covering the cost of the office visit or the telephone, or the telemedicine visit or the telemedicine visit related to this as well. So you need to check with your carrier on this. CMS and CDC are suggesting that employees who have symptoms and wish to be screened and tested should not go into the doctor's office as they could infect others. They are recommending that the sick person call the doctor's office or use telemedicine if that option is available within your plan. The doctor's office will screen them over the phone and send them to a local lab where they are set up to do the testing in a fully insured plan most employees can use telemedicine options which is generally free or substantially less than an office copay which we've seen quite often zero to five dollars but it could be it could be more than that Uh, this is much less costly than a full office visit payment to the provider again the the entire intent here is to keep people from being infected so if you think you might be infected they don't want you just going straight in without making without making any type of arrangements in advance. So they want you to be smart about this, call the office first and listen to them. What instructions they give you most likely they're going to just send you to a testing center and there are plenty of them being set up now. Uh, these include mobile drive-through labs that are being set up and also specific labs, uh, which I'll mention in a moment. Um, but they'll send you there first and then they'll determine whether or not you contracted the virus. And if you have, then we can go forward with treatment. What about emergency room doctors, urgent care, and hospital co-pays and co-insurance? CMS released information on March 5th that states that hospitalization, ambulatory patient, and emergency services are generally categorized as essential health benefits uh, in the individual and small group market, but coverage is based on the specific benchmarks selected by each state and by the terms of the plan. So again, you need to check with your health plan on this large group market plans and self-funded plans are not subject to essential health benefit coverage requirements. CMS states that you should check with your health insurance company to determine coverage for physician and hospital-related services related to the COVID-19 diagnosis and treatment. For fully insured plans, the California Department of Insurance in their March 5, 2020 bulletin stated that commercial health coverage insurers immediately must reduce the cost sharing to zero for all medically necessary screening and testing for COVID-19 including hospital ER department urgent care and provider office visits where the purpose of the visit is to be screened and or tested for COVID-19 however and this is a very important for employers to understand the California Department of Insurance as well as the Department of Managed Care for HMO products states that the insured members should inform the insurer's call center staff to advise insurers to call their provider's office, or advise the nurse line for instructions about how to access care for screening and treatment of COVID-19 prior to in-person visits to a clinic or an emergency care department. So this allows for telemedicine in lieu of in-person visits to the ER, the urgent care center, or doctor's office, or use drive-through testing sites, which most providers are encouraging to reduce the risk of spreading the virus. Keep in mind, that's the main focus we need to stop the spreading of the virus. So they wanna keep you contained until they know for sure that you have the illness. And so the first thing they need to do is screen and test. What about high deductible health plans? The IRS released notice 2020-15 that states that a health plan that otherwise satisfies the requirements to be a high deductible health plan will not fail to be a high deductible health plan merely because of the health plan um, providing health benefits associated with testing for and treatment of COVID-19 without a deductible or with a deductible below the minimum deductible, self-only, or family for a high deductible health plan. Therefore, an individual covered by the high deductible health plan will not be disqualified from being eligible under Section 223C1 who may make tax-favored contributions to health savings accounts or HSAs. Let's talk now about self-insured options because, as I said previously, they are regulating the fully insured plans, they are not regulating self-insured plans. So, self-funded plans are not regulated by state insurance laws, so self-funded plans need to make a decision about what you want to do about coverage for coronavirus or COVID-19. Once that decision is made, you must notify your third-party administrator or ASO contracted administrator and your stop-loss carrier, because in some cases the stop-loss carrier will want to know about this in advance. You may have to have plan amendments, so check with them if they're going to be requiring a plan amendment for this. Make sure that that's filed and signed with the plan administrator and the excess carrier. Our recommendation at Advanced Benefit Consulting is that self-funded employers pay for the coronavirus testing and screening at 100% with no co-pays and no co-insurance. If you decide to do this, your stop-loss carrier should agree to this up front, so have a conversation with them up front. We believe in this instance, you should follow the guidelines of the state and federal entities. You may decide to pay for the charges if a diagnosis is given as any other illness. That is the most common thing we've seen so far. In other words, paying the testing and the screening at 100%. But then once they're diagnosed, then it goes right back into your normal plan benefits. That's what we see more often than not. If we are self-funded and decide to offer coverage for testing and screening, what are the costs? Because that's a big question. A lot of employers don't want to make that decision unless they know how much this is going to cost. So of course I did some research on this. CMS released the following allowable charges for related screening and testing. And they released the official codes for that. So you can rest easy that the total allowable is just a little bit over $87. Code U0001 is the official CDC test and the allowable for that is $35.91 code U0002 is for a lab performing a screening or a non-official CDC test and the allowable for that is $51.31 so again the total allowable for the two is $87.22 so that's pretty low and that's why i would suggest definitely that self-funded plans cover that 100% you'd rather have them tested up front and know uh whether they're sick or not because some people you know, if they don't have that being covered at 100%, may not go and find out. And then they've, you know, they're reporting to work and, and spreading the disease around your office and you don't want that. As a self-funded plan, should we also cover the office visit at 100% with no copays, no deductibles, and no co-insurance, like the fully insured plans? Keep in mind that this is an individual plan and employer decision. The government and fully insured carriers are paying for the costs for the fully insured plans. As a self-funded employer, these are your costs. This is coming out of your pocket, okay? Fully insured plans often have telemedicine options. CMS and CDC are suggesting that employees who have symptoms and wish to be screened and tested should not go into the doctor's office. They're recommending that the sick person call the doctor's office, as I stated before, or use telemedicine. Um, The doctor's office will screen them over the phone and send them to a local lab where they are set up to do the testing. If your health plan, your PPO, your EPO network, or other vendor like a a reference-based pricing vendor offers telemedicine as an option, covering the cost of the office visit can be included through telemedicine. If you don't have a telemedicine option, this could be quite costly to the self-funded plan if people start panicking and everyone starts running to the doctor's office every time they have their first sniffle, and that could happen. Keep in mind, coronavirus, COVID-19, is similar to the flu. So my question to you is, do you offer an office visit free of charge for the flu? If not, then we would suggest you be consistent with the flu and other illnesses, how you handle those in your health plan. I would suggest perhaps being consistent with those. Again, this is an employer decision. Should a self-insured plan cover visits to an ER, ER doctors, urgent care, et cetera, at zero cost for COVID-19 screening and testing? Again, self-insured plans are not required to do so, and the cost could be very costly if this starts adding up, if everyone starts running rampant uh, to the uh, emergency rooms, particularly the emergency rooms, but also to urgent care centers. These are your dollars, not the government's and not the fully insured carrier's dollars, so think think carefully about this before you make this decision. You may want to look at how you treat other health plan benefits, as I stated previously. As stated with fully insured plans, most of those offer telemedicine and even the California Department of Insurance is encouraging telemedicine options rather than a visit to the ER or urgent care center. Again, their whole point is to keep people out of those spaces where they may be spreading the disease further. So you may want to strongly encourage whatever telemedicine options that you offer, even if it's just calling the doctor's office first before going to the emergency room or an urgent care center. It protects others from possible infection. Um, And they can also, by the way, use drive-through testing facilities, which are now being set up in many areas. Um, So it'll save the plan some money and it will also be the smartest thing I think to do because again, you don't want to infect other people if you do test positive to the virus. Now let me move on to some other helpful medical treatment and general information about coronavirus and COVID-19 because I'm sure you all have questions. What is the current treatment for coronavirus or COVID-19? Right now, there is no specific treatment for COVID-19. Prevention is by far the best thing you can do at this time. Keep yourself healthy, eat right, get lots of sleep, exercise, that sort of thing. Keep yourself healthy. There is no vaccine or specific antiviral medication um, that's been developed for this illness so far. That's not to say that they won't have one. They should, I'm guessing, fairly quickly. China is testing right now, experimental treatments, and the USA has both private and public research on COVID-19 treatment and vaccines for the future. But keep in mind, it takes time to have those developed. And if you're thinking, well, I'll just grab some antibiotics and use those. Antibiotics generally do not work against viruses. That's what antiviral medications are for, okay? That's the difference and the distinction. So they will try a few. They might try one. If it doesn't work, try a second one. So it may have to be a couple of different rounds of medications. But the majority of the patients that do have COVID-19 are recovering from this, especially if you're younger, you're healthy, things like that, people are recovering from this. It's not like every single case is going to be fatal. You have to keep that in mind. This is like very similar to the flu. The symptoms and everything else are similar to the flu. So what are the symptoms? The symptoms are very similar to a flu, a fever, a cough, and shortness of breath. So it's important for you to understand. They're very common symptoms. So just because you have fever, cough, and shortness of breath does not mean you have COVID-19. You could easily have a flu or a cold, but we want you to know how you know similar these can be. How does it spread? Close contact is first and foremost. They say six feet apart. If you're closer than six feet apart and you've spent time with someone, perhaps you've shaken hands, um, something like that, then you have a greater chance of receiving the virus uh, and spreading it further. Respiratory droplets with a cough or a sneeze. I saw something on the news the other day, which was kind of funny, I guess, but it makes you realize um, how important this is. And they said that, and it makes you remember it, honestly. They said that when someone coughs or sneezes, that is actually traveling at about 100 miles per hour. So if you think of the force of something that is traveling at 100 miles per hour and lands on something like a refrigerator or a door handle or a you know, countertop, or a desk, or a piece of equipment, or a phone, or anything like that. So keep that in mind. So when people are sneezing and coughing, it is highly infectious. Okay. Um, the third way is touching an infected surface, like I mentioned, when, especially when someone's been coughing and sneezing, but it doesn't have to come from a cough or a sneeze. So if they're touching an infected surface and then touching their face, that's when you can... Uh, receive the virus into your system so you definitely don't want to be touching your face okay the next is community spread people infected in an area without contact exposure so what that means is is you know you could just be in an area where people are living and breathing and walking around and there have been a few cases um, that the only thing they can say is that it must have been just basic community spreading so we have to be aware of that and be aware of the fact that um, you know, people can, can uh, receive this virus in many different ways. And keep in mind also, this is an emerging, rapidly evolving medical situation. Daily and even hourly changes are being made. So you need to refer to the CDC website for the latest guidance. So what's involved with the testing? First of all, a nasal swab or a throat swab, which can be done by a physician, a physician's assistant, or a nurse practitioner. Next, a bronchial wash which uh, has to be done by either a physician or a physician's assistant. And also I wanted you to be aware of testing centers. They're being set up in major metropolitan areas and will continue to grow in quantity and types. You can also receive testing at your state and local health departments, but as of March 9th, 2020, they've contracted with Quest and LabCorp to have testing done. And those are very common labs. Um, Pretty much anywhere in California and throughout the country, you can find a Quest laboratory. I mean, they're all over the place. So it's good to know a name that we're familiar with and know that they are involved with the testing as well as they get out more testing kits and so forth. And that's another reason why they don't want you just going out on your own and going to a doctor's office. You may walk into a doctor's office or an ER or something like that and or urgent care and they may have to send you out, you know, to get a test. Um, Your doctor's office isn't going to have that testing kit. They're not going to have a kit. It's, all those kits are being done with, like I said, uh, an assigned uh, lab uh, or testing site. So, again, that's why that first visit is so important for you to realize you probably don't want to go to a doctor's office or an ER or um, an urgent care center. So, how do we prevent COVID 19 from spreading? Stay at home in a specific room. That's the most important thing they're telling us. So, if you're sick, have your own bedroom. Stay in that bedroom. Self isolate. And if you're sick, don't invite your friends over. And if you're a friend of someone who's sick, don't go over and and talk to them, well, I want to keep them company. Don't do that. That is not smart. Okay, stay away. Use a separate bathroom in your house. If you have more than one bath, assign that one bathroom to be used by any and all individuals in that family who are sick. You don't want to be sharing bathrooms. Um, Restrict contact with your pets because they can be carrying the virus. Um, They may not have symptoms, but they can actually be um, carrying the virus protect your caregivers with a mask and hand washing. again, frequent hand washing is the best defense we have. Use cough etiquette and, and you've probably seen on TV and read in the newspapers and read online and so forth that they don't want you coughing into your hands and because then you know what happens if you can't get to a faucet or you don't have hand sanitizer? You know they they want you to if you do have to cough and you can't you can't get to some place where you can cough in private. they want you to raise your hand and cough into your inside of your forearm, um, near your elbow, that sort of thing. Um, clean your high-touch surfaces. If people are, you know, walking in and out of doors, opening drawers in your home, cabinet doors, things like that, the door to the bathroom, um, all the sink and all everything around that, the shower, all that, make sure you clean those high-touch surfaces a lot. And if you worsen, call your doctor to plan uh, medical intervention for sure. Here's some staying safe general precautions on COVID-19. Stay at home if you're sick, especially if you're over age 60 and have a health condition. Um, they say that over 80, you have an even higher risk. So obviously age is important. Before attending any gatherings, check for closures and rescheduling. If you do go out, follow some general safety precautions. Six foot distance from others, that's called social distancing. I'm sure you've heard about that over the course of the last few weeks as well. Be careful not to touch your face after touching doorknobs, elevator buttons, hard surface handles, grocery carts, and other public services. And when you walk into a grocery store and grab a cart, um, you might be used to in the past where there is readily available hand sanitizer or you just pull a, um, you know, a wet one or something like that out of, the, out of the container and you can wipe down the cart and so forth, but they're in very low supply. You can't find those a lot. So a lot of times when you go into the grocery store right now, you're not gonna have that. So be aware of that. Smarter thing to do would be able to maybe perhaps carry your own hand sanitizer Um, or sometimes I wear gloves when I walk into the grocery store, to be honest. And then as soon as I leave the grocery store and come home and unload my groceries and so forth, I take those gloves. And, and a lot of times when I go out in public now, um, and I was doing that at, um, sporting events as well, right before they shut down the sporting events, I was, because people are always high-fiving, um, I would wear gloves, uh, especially in in an ice rink. For example, I, uh, I love ice hockey. So I attend a lot of games and people would high five when someone scores the goal. So I was wearing gloves and then when I would go home every night, I would wash those gloves and hang them to dry so that the next day they'd be dry and I'd put them back in my purse and back in my jacket pocket. So you might want to think of that as well. Um, use other ways of greeting people. Hugs and handshakes, although, you know, that is, a, you know, something we enjoy doing. Um, it's not a smart thing to do right now. And I'm a hugger, so I'm guilty of this. I have to learn not to hug people now because i always walk up you know to someone that i like and that i've known for a long time and give them a hug no hugs no handshakes and again handshakes you walk into a business meeting the first thing someone does is shake your hand and you might be in a position where um you weren't expecting to shake their hand but they shook your hand so what do you do well just don't touch your face until you can get to a restroom and wash your hands properly and uh, if you can't, you might want to keep in mind that when you're at a business meeting, carry hand sanitizer if you can find it now because obviously it's in high demand. Uh, keep it in your purse. And a lot of times when you go into public, though, these days, they, are having sanit- they, they do have hand sanitizer available for you. So don't be afraid to go grab it as soon as you can. Uh, definitely don't touch your face until you've either washed your hands or used hand sanitizer on your hands. Smiles, foot bumps, elbow touches. Those things are much more preferred these days uh, over hugs and handshakes. So keep that in mind. Again, these are just very general precautions to keep yourself safe. Another thing is don't use public transportation and encourage your employees to not use public transportation. Uh, I may be in the past where they've had to go to meetings and so forth, and they would get on a, um, a train or ride in a taxi or grab an Uber or Lyft. Uh, that's something you should probably avoid right now i hate to say that because uber and, and, and lyft um, they're under such pressure now anyway with ab5 hanging over their heads and everything else but the reality is sometimes those automobiles are not cleaned as frequently as as we'd like them to be right now um, whenever possible use your own private vehicle or have a caregiver drive you if you need to go somewhere pick up a prescription uh, go to a, a lab to get tested, whatever the situation is. Wear a face mask when sharing a vehicle uh, and before you enter a healthcare provider's office. So, if you do need to go in, that's when you wear a face mask. Don't wear it all the time if you're not sick. You wear it when you are sick and you're going someplace like a lab or a doctor's office or something like that. Call 911 if you have an emergency. If you're waiting for an ambulance or something to show up, um, let them know that you're being evaluated for COVID 19 and put a face mask on if at all possible before entering the emergency. Um, medical vehicle uh, before they arrive. And I wanted to also share some other helpful information. Um, We do have in addition to this podcast, in addition to the video that we're creating for um, with the recording of this podcast, we're simultaneously creating a video for our clients. We also have, Uh, employee presentations, one for fully insured groups and one for self-funded groups that we're using as well. So there's um, employee level information that we have available on those. So if you are a client of ours, feel free to ask us for that. If you haven't already received it, it's probably in your email. Um, Go ahead and use those and we'll certainly customize those for each of you as well. What are the CDC recommendations for the coronavirus COVID-19? Well, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, has advised the following. If you were in China within the past 14 days, and that was as of February 2, 2020 or since, and feel sick with fever, cough, or have difficulty breathing, you should seek medical care. They recommend that you call the office of your health care provider before you go in and tell them about your travel and your symptoms. They will provide you with instructions on how to get care without exposing other people to your illness. While sick, HHS is recommending avoid contact with other people, not to go out, and delay any travel related to reduce the possibility of spreading the illness to others. More information can be found on the CDC website. What are the CDC recommendations for the coronavirus? Um, CDC has provided us with all kinds of guidelines for employers, which can be found, again, on their website. If you're listening the podcast you won't see um, the link that i have provided but for those of you watching the video it has been provided and several other links um, that i've talked about throughout this presentation are also found uh, on the video portion in summary the cdc recommends the following actively encourage sick employees to stay home separate sick employees emphasize staying home when you're sick respiratory etiquette and hand hygiene to all employees again washing with soap and water for 20 seconds or hand sanitizer perform routine environmental cleaning, and advise employees before traveling uh, to take certain steps before they travel. What should we be doing as far as communication to our employees? As stated previously, workplace safety and health regulations in California require employers to protect workers exposed to airborne infectious diseases such as coronavirus. If you're in other states, check with your own state agencies or check OSHA's um, main website, and they have some guidance for you as well. We suggest you assign your managers and your safety team to review the Cal OSHA posted guidance on how to comply with the safety requirements and how to provide workers information uh, on how to protect themselves. As a service to our employer clients, we are providing you with this employer education as well as sample employee education. As I mentioned, we do have a PowerPoint, one for fully insured and one for self-insured, as well as communication materials, including Word documents that you can customize and so forth to get information uh, out to your employees. Note that these materials should be customized for your use and your policies, so you're going to have to do some work. We're going to give you the samples, but you're going to have to customize them to how they fit into your organization. The CDC has produced an informative poster that you can post for all your employees in your common areas. It's a really great poster. It's colorful, it's very informative, and it's available now on our website as well as, of course, its original location, which was the CDC website. So while you're gathering information from our website, just go ahead and grab it. It's under the COVID-19 section on our website as well. So I mentioned the sample communications. Here's just one of them. Um, If you're on the video, you can see it. If you're on the podcast, you're only hearing about it. But uh, we have created a Word document, which is a sample communication uh, to your employees about um, COVID-19. You'll need to make your modifications to suit your company, and we suggest that you transfer it to your letterhead. And again, the sample is also on our website at AdvancedBenefitConsulting.com. And it says something in general, I'm not going to read it word for word, um, but we know that you've all heard about coronavirus, COVID-19, and have concerns about you, your family, and overall risks and the spread of the coronavirus. And we talk about how their health plan will cover 100% of the cost of testing and screening at no cost to you. Um, And if you should test positive, your health plan will cover the illness as it would any other illness. Um, So that might need to be again modified depending on whether you're self-insured or fully insured. And then it has bullet points like if you're sick, stay home. Um, For some of you, you might have the ability to work from home if your job accommodates this. Um, And if that's the case, uh, you want to keep that in. If that's not the case, you'll want to eliminate that bullet point. Um, If you've recently traveled uh, to affected areas and feel sick with a fever, cough, etc., or you have difficulty breathing, You should seek medical care. We talk about the CDC recommendations that you call the office of your healthcare provider before you go in and tell them about your uh, travel and your symptoms, and they will provide you with instructions so that you don't expose other people to the illness. Um, Then it has other bullet points that are really important things that we've talked about throughout this employer training as well, like regularly wash your hands for 20 seconds with soap and running water, um, or use hand sanitizer. If your hands are not visibly dirty, frequently clean them with an alcohol-based hand rubber, soap, and water. And I want to remind people of that. If you're using um, a hand sanitizer and it's not alcohol-based, it's probably not an antibacterial. So you might be—I mean, it's not a bad thing to, you know, use some sort of hand sanitizer, but it's probably not going to protect you from the from the uh, virus unless it's alcohol-based. So keep that in mind. Wearing rubber gloves in public can still transmit the virus. If you touch your face, the contamination from the gloves to your face can infect you. And as I said before, I'm. I've done that many times when I go out in public now, I'm still wearing gloves and then I just go home immediately. I, I do not touch my face. And then when I get home uh, and finish with what I'm doing, I wash those gloves every night or grab another pair. I have several pair of gloves that I can grab. Um, wash your hands after each of these types of things, coughing and sneezing, when you're caring for the sick, before, during and after you prepare food, before eating, after toilet use, when your hands are visibly dirty, after uh, handling animals or animal waste and then if you're 60 or older and have an underlying health condition such as cardiovascular disease respiratory condition diabetes cancer etc you should avoid crowded areas or places where you may interact with people who are sick so that's just some of the examples of communication materials that are available to our clients and uh, some of these are also available um, to the general public on our website Um, it's really important that employers understand that you need to create some policies on this after reviewing this material as well as the guidance from Cal OSHA, we recommend that you create specific policies for your organization, which includes items such as this, cleanliness policies at your office, how often you're going to clean, who's going to clean, where you're going to be cleaning, etc. cetera, um, distance requirements for employees um, and for what locations and departments. They may be already separated with cubicles, and if that's the case, that's great. Um, but they might be on a production line and you might have a lot of people within, you know, a small amount of space so those are situations where you might have to kind of rethink that and see if you can maybe move some of the machinery a little bit or something like that um so figure out what works for your organization what your training requirements are and again we're we're presenting this to you as kind of an employer guide to help you make these decisions and then again we're, we're offering to our clients uh those employee um, powerpoints and so forth as well but whatever you're going to do to train your employees. Just make sure you keep them up to date and have something available because that, again, is something that you need to do in the state of California and I'm sure other states do something similar as well. A review of how your internal sick leave FMLA, California sick leave policies or other state policies, um, and how all your other policies relate and coordinate with the coronavirus policies. Um, What should employees do when they're sick? You need to advise them of that. Who do they contact? What do they do? Are they staying home? Hopefully you're telling them to stay home if they're sick. What employees are entitled to so you might want to have your hr department put something together with the you know they're entitled to these benefits this sick leave policy and the you know this is what you have available to you through state disability um etc cetera, etc cetera. so put those policies together they're really important um and of course there are plenty of resources that employers can use we put together a list for them they're on our website and if you're, again, watching the video portion of this, you'll see them along with several links in front of you. I think there's three, three or four slides full of uh, resources and links. But if you're just listening to the podcast, of course, you can't see the links. So I'm just going to um, just spell out to you this, the government sites that you can go to. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, the CDC, the California Department of Insurance, the California Department of Managed Care, California Labor and Workforce Development, California Labor Commissioner. San Francisco Office of Labor Standards, the U.S. Department of Labor, the California EDD, Cal OSHA, or OSHA if you're out of California, uh, the Department of Health and Human Services, and the World Health Organization. They have a tremendous amount of resources available to you, and again, if you're watching the videos, I'm going through these slides, you can see the actual links. So those should help you quite a bit, and depending on what your topic is that you're looking for, these links should probably give you a pretty good idea of such. I wanna thank everyone for listening to or watching the video of our employer guide to coronavirus COVID-19. Again, this was prepared by my office, Advanced Benefit Consulting, for the use by its employer clients and guests as well as podcast listeners. Um, this information we gathered from public sources and I named them all pretty much just a second ago. Uh, and I also wanna tell you as we do it every Uh, Podcasts and with every video that of course this is not intended to be legal or medical advice We always recommend that you consult with your legal counsel as situations vary I'm sure you're going to hear that again at the end of your uh, podcast as well So I apologize for that in advance, but this information is current as of March 14th 2020 and as I said before It's changing daily. So we do suggest that you visit the resources um, listed in this podcast and in this video Uh, on a regular basis to stay up to date. And those of you that are our clients, you will be getting continuous updates from me personally. Um, And just go ahead and review our website at advancedbenefitconsulting.com. I'm sure you'll find plenty of resources there for you to help. So thank you very much.
0: Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for compliance tips, cost containment ideas, new trends, and decision-making tools. This podcast is produced by Advanced Benefit Consulting, Anaheim, California. All views expressed are those of the host or interviewees and not necessarily those of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Information contained herein should not be construed as legal advice. We always recommend that you consult with your legal counsel as situations do vary. Ms. Koshu can be reached at 714-693-9754 extension 3, toll free at 866-658-3835 or visit our website at advancedbenefitconsulting.com.